You know, I have a good friend that uh, says oftentimes, it's one of the catchphrases of his life, that life is a series of invitations and responses. That, that there are moments that maybe we don't always recognize that, that we are being invited, invited into relationship and invited into lives, into an experience that, that maybe we didn't know existed. Some of them are surprised. And, and so we have a moment to receive and to accept the invitation. And I press that there's nothing more important for us today than to recognize that God wants to invite us, that there is more that is available into our lives, and that you will respond with, with great open hearts for God to do something even more in your life than, than we could even hope or dream or imagine. You see, that's what Jesus' promise was, not only to those that were following him then, but, but still remain for you and I. Jesus put this incredible emphasis on the living power of God's Spirit to be made available to each and every one of us. Jesus said this in John chapter 16, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good. I want you to listen to this. This, this power of this invitation that, that Jesus made to his followers and, and still to you and I today. It is for your good that I am going away. For unless I go away, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But here, I want you to listen. But if I go, I promise you, God's word of affirmation to not only those then, but to you and I today. I promise you that I am going to send to you the Holy Spirit. Somebody say, thank the Lord with me this morning. Jesus said, "It's listen, this is part of the narrative. This is the story, that it is good for me to go away, but I am not going to leave you comfortless. I, I promise you... I promise you this, that I am going to give you the living power of God to be with you by way of the Holy Spirit. Luke recorded it this way. Jesus said, I am going to send you what my Father has promised. And so I want you to stay in Jerusalem because in a short time you are going to be clothed with power from on high. That's the work that the Holy Spirit gets to do in the life of the believer that accepts the invitation to the divine. Today I want to share with you the good news about the power of a promise. Jesus told his followers, he's telling you and I today, I promise you that it's good that I go away. For if I go away, I promise you that I am going to send to you the Holy Spirit. Over the last couple of years, most of you have heard my story that on most mornings around 7 o'clock, I meet with a bunch of guys and we ride our bikes every morning. Now, you've heard the story that Almost every one of them are retired. They're older than me. Um, I think that it's an, a, a term of endearment, but they call me the kid, all right? Uh, because I'm considerably younger than, than all of them that are, are out to ride. And, and they ride really well, and on the occasion when their pacemakers and their meds are in sync, man, I'm telling you what, they are a hard group to keep up with, all right? Like when all of those stars align. Um, now, I say that in somewhat of fun because some of them have been watching online with real life on Sunday, so maybe I'll find out tomorrow if some of them uh, were listening, right? If they got the, the jab in their direction, but here's what I want you to hear this morning as we start. You see, the reason why I'm out most mornings is because these dudes are always ready to ride. Doesn't matter the conditions. I mean, unless it is a pouring down rainstorm, they are up 
every morning ready to ride. And it gives me great motivation to get out of the bed in the morning because I have become convinced that I'm going to have some partners to ride with when I get there in the morning. It's taken me a while to realize that these guys are up and ready at almost every occasion to ride. And there are moments when I get up that I don't feel like it. But there is an even greater draw in my spirit because I know that they are there and that when I get there that this experience is going to happen. And it's the same way of this being convinced of or this promise. You see, that spiritually that God has given to you and I a partner that is ready, that is willing, that is available for you at every moment. He's just simply waiting on you and I to accept the invitation into the divine, that there is nothing that stops him. There is nothing that, that, that detracts him, that he is up, that he is ready, that he's on point looking for a people, looking for an individual, looking for a church that's ready to go in the power and the presence and the partnership that he brings from heaven in our life. And so you and I can begin to have great confidence that no matter what we face, God has given to you and I a partner so that whatever we face, that he is there, that he is ready for you. How many would say that's great news this morning, right? You see, we have this confidence, this assurance in our spirit that God is with us, that God is for us, that it is good, Jesus said, that I go away. Because if I go away, I will give you this comforter, I will give you, I promise you that you are not going to be alone. Now, with that being said, let me ask you a few more questions this morning. Has anyone here ever struggled with fear? Come on, right? Sure we have. Has anyone here ever, ever had a problem in your life, right? Maybe something, whether small or, or large, or maybe even overwhelming that we've experienced in our life. Has ever anyone ever wanted to give up? Now, I think if we're real people here today, we recognize that there are moments in this journey where all of those things have taken place in our life. But let me ask you just one more question this morning. Did, did you stop? Did that fear get you? Did that problem overwhelm you? Did you give up? And I'm sure that with you or with all of us in this room, there are, are probably moments or experiences, times where that has been true. But I think in the occasions, in the moments, in the drives of our lives where it is not true, it is because we have been convinced of a promise. That whatever we were facing, that whether we felt from someone around us or whether we had this connection with God, that no matter the problem, no matter what I was facing, whatever fears were before me, whatever feeling I had about giving up, I did not because I was convinced of a promise that God said that he would be faithful to me, that God would be with me in the midst of the storm. Or maybe I had some partners or some friends that, that were there in the moments in which I felt like giving up. I don't think we stop either when we recognize that we have a partner in the battle as well. It's much like in those mornings where I don't feel like it or I don't want to give up, I recognize, but wait a minute, I've got partners. I've got people that are there that not only depend on me, but I 
depend on them. And in the same way, in this journey of life, we recognize that there are going to be moments that are going to scream to us, it's just easier to give up. And this is where God has given to you and I the promise of his Holy Spirit to be a partner in the battle. So in that moment that we don't give up, but we hear the words of Scripture, we feel the embrace of of the church or of individuals that recognize that we do not go alone. Listen, there are going to be a number of voices that you can potentially hear to tell you to give up, and it's easy to hear those voices. But what we need is that we need to be centered and honed to hear the voice of the Lord in those moments. Many times our ears and our hearts, they are not in tune for what the Spirit is wanting to say to our lives. And these are the moments when we receive this invitation, why it's so important that we what the Spirit of God wants to say in our lives and do in our lives. Because whether we have face moments or we will face moments, it's important for you and I to know what voices need to be directing us, what partnerships we need to be surrounded with in these moments so that we do not give up. So that these problems and circumstances do not overwhelm us. When we look into scripture during this time, we realize that the disciples were about to embark on probably the greatest commission that has ever been given to mankind. They were literally taking the reins of the ministry that Jesus was giving them. And they were soon to become the caretakers of his most prized possession, his church. I mean, to say that the responsibility was daunting, right? is an understatement. Jesus said, I am going to go away, but I'm not going to leave you powerless. I'm not going to leave you friendless. I'm not going to leave you without authority. I'm not going to leave you without direction. For if I go away, I promise you. So I want you to know, for some of you that are maybe clinging on by your fingernails today, some of you that are lacking hope, some of you that are looking at circumstances that are around you that you don't understand, that you don't know what's going on. Jesus said, I promise you, if you trust in me, I'm not going to leave you on your own, but I'm going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. He's just like me, and he's going to be with you through the end. And so the more that we know and the more that we accept the invitation, Jesus, again, he had filled these disciples with faith. He had assured them of a promise. I promise you, he said, and he was soon about to empower them with the Holy Spirit. We read in Luke 24, Jesus said, don't leave this city until the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you. If if you are taking the reins of the ministry, if you are going to fulfill this mission that that I am sending you with, it's important that you need to be assured and that you need to be faith filled. Somebody say amen with me today. You be faith filled. Second of all, he assured them that listen, listen to the voice of the promise. Somebody shout amen. The voice of the promise that I have given to you. And then we wait and we linger and we go after the power of the Holy Spirit that he wants to make available to the believer. You see, this had become not only the blueprint for the believers then, but it is the blueprint for you and I still today. For some of you that have been around the church maybe for a while or understand the Bible, if we opened up to Hebrews chapter 11, oftentimes there's a a little heading that, that they just simply call the hall of faith. And it begins to describe over the millennia about those who put their trust in God, even through extremely difficult situations and circumstances. In fact, it almost reads like a newspaper of what's been happening in the Middle East even over this last week. 
those who were of God's people, those who put their trust in Jehovah. And for many of them, there were horrendous and horrible things that which they faced. But yet, through this assurance, through them being convinced of the work of God, many of them, again, pre-Christ, that, that this was a faith that was looking forward. You and I have the tremendous advantage of seeing our faith being built because we get to look back on the assurance of everything that Jesus, but these that are in the, the power of the Holy Spirit that has become available to the individual in the church, but these that are in the hall of faith are these that were looking forward and believing, being convinced in their hearts. Many that are described facing similar situations that the disciples were soon going to find themselves in this same minute. They were lost. They were confused. They were facing persecution, even death. But here's what the Bible says. And yet, by faith, by faith and with the confidence of a promise, the promise that was even for many of them yet to come, they endured. You see, if you're facing problems today, if you're feeling the sense of, of giving up, if you're, if you're asking yourself, what, what in the world is going on? I want you to know that these questions aren't new to the 21st century or to what you and I are facing today. That there are, are those by the multitudes that stood in places just like you and I. And yet their names are given to us in the hall of faith because they were convinced of the promise that Jesus came to fulfill. For most of them, they had to believe what was still yet to come. But for you and I, how can we lack in our confidence to know that God has been faithful, that God has already accomplished the work for you and I? We have great faith based on the finished work of Christ. Can you say yes with me today? And so when we find these moments to wonder what it is that God is doing, listen, he doesn't always control every circumstance in our life, but he does control the narrative of your life. That God is wanting to work all things together that are called according to his purpose to be good in your life. You see, but we have to believe upon the promise of God and we have to endure. Everybody say that word. We have to endure. There are going to be moments where our faith is going to be tested and going to be stretched. Where this promise that, that sometimes that we haven't seen yet, that, that we haven't experienced, that is going to cause us to wonder, to believe. And so I challenge you this morning on the finished work of Christ and the promise of the Holy Spirit that he has not been separated from his promise to you. If it hasn't happened, let me tell you, it will come to pass because he is a promise-keeping God. Today, I want you to know that you and I can do a lot. We can do a lot with a promise. Jesus promised the disciples and us that the Holy Spirit, who is our counselor, our comforter, our advocate, and he is the needed power that he, to keep God first in our life, to keep this relationship with, with, uh, with Christ and what he's done for us at the forefront in fact, we talked about last week the person of the Holy Spirit, that, that his process, that his, his ministry is to begin to always focus us to Christ. Again, when it seems like the circumstances in our life or our world are going out of sorts, it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit that wants to remind us, that wants to refocus us on Christ. Listen, it's easy for us to get our minds swirling on everything that is happening in the world, but let me assure you today, keep your eyes on Jesus today. Keep your eyes on Jesus. He, the author, the finisher 
of our faith. It was this promise that we live godly in an evil world, that we continue to put him first, that we walk his direction when it seems like everybody else is turning and walking in another direction. It is the power of the promise of the Holy Spirit to the believer and to the church to keep our eyes fixedly firmed on Jesus and him alone, as well as to advance the gospel throughout all of the world, that we be people of the promise. How many would say that God's done something good in your life? Come on, few of you, maybe just maybe more than a few of you, God's done something good in your life. Then, then are you promoting the goodness of God in your life? Right? Is your life replicating how good God has been to you? Does your face show it when you walk in and among? Is your life, is your testimony revealing the power and the goodness and the promise of God in your life? Do you have a testimony that you're able to share? Listen, there are a lot of people in church, all they just walk around, it seems like a storm cloud over their head. Woe is me, Pastor Jim. Wow, you're never going to guess this or that. Listen, you need to kind of get that out of your life and you need to get focused on Christ and let his promise overwhelm you and shine the light that God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Listen, I recognize that that he's not going to control every circumstance, right? Like right now, yeah, it's going to be hard, but let me tell you, God is still good, church, right? Pastor Jim, I've got problems. I've got difficulties. I know you do, but guess what? God is good. You see, we recognize that when I am convinced of the promise. There is nothing that can stop me. There is nothing that's going to keep me away from going after because I've got partners in the battle. God says that I'm going to promise you, I'm going to give you the power of God by way of my Holy Spirit. So listen, even if you're in the midst of a fight, can I tell you today, church, cling on to this. You are not alone. You are not alone. Listen, when you're going to say, I don't know what God is doing, can I tell you? God is doing something. God never doesn't do anything. God is doing something. And so even the times you and I are questioning, I don't understand. I don't know what God is doing. Can Can I just put this into your spirit right now? God is doing something on your behalf. Why? Because that's his promise. Because I have become convinced that I am the apple of his eye, that I am a part of his purpose, part of his plan, that God has something for my life, that God is for me, not against me. Somebody, yes? And so am I determined to question God, or am I here to understand that God is with me, that God has a promise for me, and I've accepted the invitation, that I'd rather go with God, no matter what the circumstances, than try to face it on my own. I want to give you a couple of things today to help us to understand what the role of the Holy Spirit, how he operates in our life. Let me just kind of set it up a little bit. There are a few occasions, I wouldn't say a lot of occasions, there are a few occasions when Debbie and I get to travel or go somewhere that she oftentimes likes to maybe go to a museum or maybe to an art gallery or we, we read about or see some things that you know, are a little bit more cultured um, that, that maybe we could go hang out for the day. Um, I'd rather be at a bike store, but that's all right, you know, like, sure, you know, let's, let's go look at art, right, for like six hours, right? <laughs> Listen, I don't understand art, all right? I don't get it. You look at some of the works of the master, right, 
and, and, and how they become masterpieces. They hang on the wall and, and you know, probably there might be, there, hopefully there's more than just me here today. But you look at that stuff and you just like, I don't, I don't get it. Like, I'm not saying it's bad. It's like, whatever. It's just like, eh, like I don't get it. And oftentimes they'll have people in those places, interpreters, to help us understand the work of the master. And they'll talk to you about brush strokes and they'll talk to you about the light perspective and, and, and the gray shadowing, right? And I try to do my best. I'm, I'm still pretty unengaged, right? But thankfully, there is an interpreter of the great work of the master that helps me to understand what the picture is saying way more than I can ever get on my own. How many are tracking with me for just a minute? You see, and I want you to know that, that God is wanting to build into you a masterpiece. And there are truly moments and opportunities in our lives we don't get it. We don't understand. We don't recognize what it is that God is doing. It's hard for us to see what the master is trying to do. And so God gave to you and I an interpreter to help us during times of difficulty. In times when we just kind of look at our situation and our circumstance and, and we kind of say, why? H- how did this come about? Why did this happen to me? We're trying to grasp what the masterpiece is, but, but for a lot of us, we don't get it. And so I want you to know, as much as like those museums and art galleries have people walking around to help us to understand what was in the mind of the master to create a masterpiece in the same way God has given to you and I his Holy Spirit. And he wants to be invited to help explain to you what it is that God is wanting to provide and what God is wanting to promote in and through your life. But you see, it takes these moments of invitation. It takes these moments for us to to kind of put everything else to the background, to the sidelines, so that we could have these opportunities with the Holy Spirit to truly listen and understand these moments. You see, most of us, that, that, that we want to kind of self-interpret, right? And, and we miss what the true meaning of the master is all about for our life. And until we hear correctly from someone who understands and no one's, what did we learn last week? Jesus said, I'm going to send you what? Another Advocate, another paraclete, who what? Is just like me. You see, the work of the Holy Spirit is no different than Jesus. It's just the abiding, living presence of God in our life through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. He knows Jesus. He knows his plans and purpose for your life. And it's in these moments of invitation that we transition from self-evaluation or listening to the wrong voices. How many of us are good at that? We're the best at that. We are so good at listening to the wrong voices, being convinced of that. Listen, I hear it week in and week out. But it takes these moments for you and I to recognize the voice that we truly need to be listening to. God is mastering the narrative of your life. 
So when it feels darkened, he hasn't abandoned you. When it feels like there is a mountain in front of you, he hasn't left you on your own. When it feels like you don't know where to turn, left or right, he hasn't left you without direction in your life. It's in these moments where we have got to press in. You see, to get your name in the hall of faith, most of those people faced atrocious moments in their life without the power of the Holy Spirit like has been given to the church today. This faith, this hope was still decades, centuries in the making. And yet you and I have been given the narrative that God promises to be with us. Let me give you three promises that hopefully will establish your heart today and this week. And, and, and I trust for the rest of your life the work of the Spirit of God for us. The Bible tells us, first of all, that he has become the spirit of adoption. He is the spirit of adoption. Romans chapter 8 says, For the spirit you received does not make you a servant so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. Can somebody say amen today? You see, the spirit of God wants you to know that you are not far off, but that you have been invited to come inside. That not only is there a seat at the table, that, that the house and the possessions are yours as a son of God. You see, there is a difference between a servant and a son. How many know that? You see, one of the main differences is intimacy. Just simply meaning that the son has the right to be on the inside, to understand the plan of the father. The servant doesn't come in and, and sit in the room with the, with the father and with the son and, and, and with the, those that are, are inside the family, the servant has, has dwelling outside of the house. They, they may be invited into the, 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 the entryway, but, but they don't have the intimate relation of the Holy Spirit. That we do not have the spirit of fear, but we have the, the gift of sonship that puts us at the table, that puts us in the room to understand the plan of God that he has for our life. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you sons and daughters for everything that I learned from my father I have made known unto you. What is God doing with you? Listen, God's not keeping you out. God said you're a son. You're welcome to come in and to know that his promise is for you. His promise is to bless you. His promise is that you to know that you're not outside, but you're inside. Listen, Paul continues to go on further in Romans chapter 8 to help us to understand this relationship that we can have with the Father. It's not out of fear, but it's out of intimacy where he says, you and I now have the right to call him Abba, Father. Right? And, and Paul's helping us to understand that's intimate language. We still have a, a holy and a reverent fear of God. But, but again, this spirit of sonship, this adoption into the family through Christ and now the confirmation of the Holy Spirit is that we have this relationship with, with the Father is that we don't have to fear to come into the throne room. The throne room is our playgrounds. We get to hang out with the Father Many people have said it's, it's kind of our, our English term of saying daddy. It just, again, speaks of, of intimacy. We get to have this, this pure relationship. What I want you to understand is that when we have been adopted into sonship by the Holy Spirit, that we have the full right as a son or daughter. Say full right with me. We have a 
full right. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? You see, through the Spirit's work of transformation that takes place in our life, we're not kind of adopted into the family. But listen, our adoption gets put aside and we become a full heir, a full son and daughter of God. You see, sometimes in our culture, we kind of, you know, we wear this label of, of being adopted and it's, and it's still like somewhat second class, right? Well, I'm not a biological son, and so, so I, I mean, I'm going to get something, but, but I'm not going to get everything because I was adopted into sonship or into daughterhood. No, that's not what the Bible talks about in your relationship with God, that when the spirit of adoption comes into our life, that we have full right of becoming a son and daughter of God. Everything is ours. The kingdom is ours. We have the right to go into the throne room because of the work of the Father and what the Spirit promises to do in and through our lives. Somebody say yes. See, I, I, I'm not second class. I'm not 98%. I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. I'm a son. I'm a daughter of God in my life. You see, let me be strong with you today. This transformation, this, this spirit of adoption it must originate in your belief system. It has to permeate your minds. You see, when some of you struggle, like, I, I want to give up. I, I, I have fear. I, I have problems. Listen, like, listen, I can get that, but if your mind has not been made up, you're constantly going to be going back and forth. You're going to be listening to the wrong voices in your life. But this is what I want you to hear today. In the spirit of adoption, you're not partly a son or daughter of God. You are fully a child of God. And when that originates in your mind, I don't hesitate to come into the throne room. I don't hesitate when there are moments where I'm confused or struggling. Listen, I don't stay outside. I run inside for more of God's presence in my life. Listen, this might kind of, uh, you know, split the crowd here a little bit, and I was just kind of on the, uh, on the cusp, but maybe some of you remember whether the pictures or maybe if there were video when, when John F. Kennedy was the president, right? There were, there were pictures or there were little, little videos of his little son, right? I think they called him John John, right? In the Oval Office, kind of crawling around on the on the oval desk, right? Uh, like peeking out from, from under the, the desk of where the, the president sits inside the Oval Office. Listen, none of us are going to get an invitation into the Oval Office. When, when I was small, it, it's since 9-11, I, I think it's probably impossible now, but when I was young, my, my parents took us to D.C., and, and we were able to take the tour of the White House. But guess what? <laughs> Nobody gets into the Oval Office, right? It's like, but I'm an American. Like, I'm a taxpayer. Yeah, well, <laughs> enjoy the front rooms. No one gets the Oval Office. But guess where John John got to be? Guess where pictures showed up of him crawling all over the desk and, and peeking out from under the desk? Why? Because my dad is the president, and I'm his son and I can go anywhere, and I can do whatever I want because my dad, he's the king. And I want you to know that the power of sonship that God brought to you is that there's this access into the throne room. We do it reverently. We understand, right? 
but we also understand that we have the right to call him Abba, Father, that I'm a child of God. Listen, you can, you can listen to the voices to give up. You can let your problems overwhelm you, or you realize, listen, hey, I'm not staying on the outside. I'm pushing in. I'm going into the throne room because that's where my dad is, and I've got full access to the power and the presence of God in this moment. You see, God, his promise of adoption is that we have an invitation to a seat at the table. Listen, I want to encourage you next week, 945, to accept the invitation to RSVP to come and be in the presence of God. Next Sunday night, we're going to have a worship experience. We're going to invite you into the throne room next Sunday night, and we're going to have the band, and we're going to worship together, and we're just going to experience what it's like to be into the throne room of our Abba Father. Listen, some of you that are so quick to give up, some of you that are so quick to see your problems be greater than your God, some of you that have this sense of giving up all the time or walking away or, or being away, listen, it's because you're lacking the understanding, the, the mindset, the belief that God has given you the right to be called the sons and daughters of God. Why would you be anywhere else to know that you have full access into his presence? I want you to hear me today. Those of you that will believe in him, the Bible says the spirit has given you the spirit of adoption. The Bible says that he has given to you and I the spirit of life. At the beginning of Romans chapter 8, the Bible says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit. Let me stop there for just a minute. What is the law of the spirit? The law of the spirit is these next three words. The law of the Spirit is, is that it is he who gives life. What does the law say for those of you and I that are in Christ Jesus? We get life. We get abundant life. We get eternal life. Man, if I was in a church where people love Jesus, they'd probably be jumping and shouting over that. Hello? You see, the law of the Spirit is that he has come that you might have life and have life to the full. You see, why do we let our pain, our problems, our situations overwhelm us when we have a promise of the Father of the Holy Spirit who is the giver of life, of abundant life, of promised life, of eternal life? He has set you free from the law of sin. What is the law of sin? Death. You see, you and I have a choice in this invitation. You can accept what the law of sin says about you, or you can receive what the law of the Spirit says about you. You can have life, or you can have death. You see, most of us strive to be law-abiding, right? I know we can have a negative view on the law, but most of them are written to protect us, to provide for us, to promote our safety. But the promise, the promise of God is that we might have life to the full. And God gave you and I the Holy Spirit to pump us and to fill us and to encourage us that he is with us. That not only do we get abundant life in this life, but there is the promise of eternal life. 
You see, I do a lot of funerals, and people are always questioning about what's next. Listen, I don't have to question. I've been given a promise. Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you'll be with me in paradise. Listen, your last breath on this life with Christ into your life, your very next breath is going to stand in the glory in the throne room of your heavenly Father. He said, I don't fear that because I know a promise that has been given to us. Romans chapter 5 tells us that death reigned because of sin and that brought devastating consequences to every life. In fact, Romans 5 says this, that death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, even as Adam did not. You see, whether you were pre-commands, after, post-command, whatever, the Bible says that sin brought death to every one of us. But Paul goes on to say, but the gift that has been given is greater than the trespass. You see, sin brought death, but how many are going to say amen with me today that Jesus brought everlasting life? That the gift is greater than the trespass. Romans 5 tells us how much more did the Spirit of God come to do in our life. Listen, you are selling God short. You are giving up way too easy. You are looking at the wrong things. You are listening to the wrong voices so often This is why you need to accept the invitation into the divine to realize that whatever I walk through, whatever I go through, there is a promise that I'm going to hold on to that God has given to me that I can have life to the full. Listen, life right now now might be difficult, might be not what I want, but listen, God is controlling the narrative of my life and that he is working all things out for my good to my heart and my mind, right, that is going to stay fixed and purposed on him. Listen, that good is not only going to come to you, but it's going to be revealed to others in this world that God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. Let me give you one more. One more blessing promise that God gives to us is by the Spirit of grace. The Spirit of grace. You see, spiritually, the Bible tells us that we are, that we were, wherever we stand in our position with Christ today, we were destitute, we were blind, we were unclean, we were dead Our souls were in peril of of everlasting punishment, but then came grace. We would have been kept out. We would have been servants. We, We would maybe have never even been allowed on the compound because of our sin. But then grace, grace, grace. God's wonderful, amazing grace was able to see past our sin, past our mistakes, past the screw-ups, past my pride, past my desire that I knew more than God, all of that. And God said, listen, Jim, you're not going to understand it, this power of this amazing grace, but my grace is greater than all of your faults and all of your sin and all of your pride and all of your mistakes. And with the hand of grace, I can wash it all away and take you from the outside and invite you into the very intimate throne room of my Father's presence. And I promise you that I'm not going to leave you with Without the presence of my Father, I'm going to give to you 
my spirit of grace, to remind you every day that you're not lost, you're not destitute, you're not a product of your sin or of your mistakes, but that you are a wonderful child of God, that when he looks at you, Jesus said, he can't see your sin, he can only see my blood that has covered your sin and has washed them white as snow. It's the spirit of grace. Grace, it's not a loan, church. It doesn't require a repayment or a return to the recipient. The fact is grace is a gift. It means that nothing, nothing is returned. Grace requires no cost to the person who receives the gift, but it is the giver who experiences and bears all of the expense. You say, Pastor, how do I get this grace? It has nothing to do with you or me. It's done 100% complete by God over your life. Grace, it is a gift that once it has been given, listen, the ownership of the gift now has been transferred and it's ours to keep. You see, God doesn't come back and play games with us or take it away or manipulate the situation or the circumstance. When the gift changes hand, the giver permanently relinquishes all rights to renege on the deal. God said, listen, I love you so much that my grace today will be unending. The Bible teaches us that grace is completely unmerited. You say, Pastor Jim, what does that mean? It means it's completely undeserved on our part. You see, the good news is for all of us is that God's not looking at your rank, your potential, your position. You see, we're all lost. It's all unmerited. There's all simply a a stamp over your account and my account that would simply say, no access. Not a chance. Never. No way. You see, we're the ones really good at at ranking trespass or sin. You see, because one of the justification modes that we have in our presence is that our comeback often is, yeah, but at least I'm not as bad as so-and-so. But you see, the truth is, is that (laughs) you don't get to create that. The truth is, is that The stamp of no access was on all of our accounts. By asking Christ to come into our life, by recognizing that it's through him and his shed blood, he's the only way that my sins can be forgiven is when grace shows up. When the stamp of no access is changed, and listen, it just doesn't grant us partial access, it's full access. This spirit of adoption, this spirit of grace isn't like, well, yeah, but no. You see, God throws the doors of heaven wide open. You say, well, pastor, what about that person? Or what about that person? Or what about the atrocities? Or what about the difficulties? Or what are the things that they've gone through? Listen, that's not for you and I. Because if that's the case, then grace is never fully grace. If grace is conditional, it's not grace. But what you and I need to realize today is that grace is unmerited. Grace says that none of us deserve it. But it's offered to every one of us who recognize 
It's not by works of righteousness that I have done, but but by everything that Christ has done in and through me. So I'm going to pray over you this morning. I want you to I want you to unpack more of what the work of the Spirit, what His promise has come to mean to you. And, and I want us to take a moment, if, if you want to hang out and maybe just pray a little bit, I want to remind you today, for those of you that felt like you don't match up, like there are things that, that keep you out, that God has given to us the Spirit of adoption. God has given you the Holy Spirit to confirm and to remind us in our spirit, in our minds that we are sons and daughters of God. To help you to stop listening to the wrong voices, seeing the wrong play unfolded before you and to recognize that you have access into the throne room, that he is Abba Father. For some of you today that you have to recognize that it is the spirit of life that God wants to give you life and that you might have it to the full. Stop selling yourself short. Stop buying into the lie that it's for everybody else, but it's not for me. The Bible says that the Spirit of God, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Listen, you can listen to the law of the Spirit. Hello? The law of the Spirit, which is what? Life. Or you can be convinced of the law of sin, which is what? Death. But God sent his son that while we were still lost in our sins, that he died for us. And he forgave us of what? All of our sin. And he has given to us the spirit of life, that we might have life to the full. Not just abundant life, but how many can say yes to eternal life? promise of the throne room one day soon. Maybe some of you today need to be reminded that there has been a spirit of grace that has been given to you. There is nothing, if your heart is open, there is nothing that keeps you out of this invitation today. There is nothing that no one has said to you, that you're nothing, that you'll never match up, you'll never be worth anything. Can I tell you, you were worth everything. You are worth Everything. Some of you might have heard that from the time that you were a child. Some of you heard it this week. But I want you to know what God Almighty says about you. You are worth my amazing grace. None of us deserve it. But thankfully, all of us can receive it today.